All right. Hey, everybody. So welcome to the very first official Spinalpedia podcast. I am your host, Tiffany Carlson. And today, uh, for, for this very, very first episode, we decided to do it on spinal cord injury research. And so we are bringing on two people that represent kind of two different slices of, of the world of research. We have an advocate and a researcher, someone who's been researching uh, spinal, cord, spinal cord injuries for years, and that would be Dr. Lynn Jakeman. Um, she'll be uh, one of our guests today. She is the Assistant Director of the Division of Neuroscience at the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. That's a long title. Basically, she's been doing research for a very long time on re- on spinal cord injuries at the University of Ohio, I think, but we're going to get all that from her later. And then Rob Woodlook, he is a spinal cord injury research advocate and a quadriplegic from Minnesota, and he's also the manager of GUSU Paralysis, which is Get Up, Stand Up to Cure Paralysis. It's a great organization here in Minnesota, and they're dedicated to getting uh, as much information and research uh, funds out there for spinal cord injuries. So, hey guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Hi, Hi. Hey, thanks. So, you know, I have been injured for 25 years, and it's so exciting to see all this research happen. I feel like there's a lot of momentum happening in the spinal cord injury research world. Um, Am I just feeling it, or do you guys notice it too? Yeah. It's pretty cool. And I don't know. I feel like, do you feel like it all started with stem cells in the 90s? Or do you think it's kind of been really exciting in the last 10 years? I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I'm kind of not as in touch with it as you guys might be. Well, yeah, why don't you go first? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've only been <laughs> eight years. And mm-hmm. when I was first injured, a lot of the conferences were focused on research in animals still. Yeah. And very well in humans. And that that's shifted a lot. And I think that, you know, I I kind of wonder if we're seeing like a Moore's law effect with, you know, similar to the transistor and microchips where we're seeing a lot more effective research that's starting to take place. Not sure. And you Lynn? I think Rob's really on it. I think that um, there have been a lot of things happening now. I get to see Could you, um, sorry, Linda, interrupt you. Could you get closer to your microphone or turn up your volume just a little bit? I don't know how oh, to Oh, that's do it. That. That's it. Great. Okay. We can hear so you now. All I have to do is put my microphone under my mouth. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, I so I've been around for you know, a long time yep. and seeing a lot of changes in research over time. And I think that what's happening right now is um, really what Rob is saying, a lot of new research uh, um, people. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of it has been facilitated by new understanding of what the human spinal cord can do. Mm-hmm. So that's changed things a lot. It's crazy. I know. I, I'm kind of not sure where to start with you guys because there's so much I want to ask you. But I think to start out with, since I know, Lynn, you work at um, the NINDS, right? Yeah. Um, can you just maybe tell everyone who's listening just what exactly you do in your role? I think that will be really great for people to kind of understand what you do. Sure, I'd love to. What I might do is tell you a little bit about what I did before I got here. Yes. That might, that might explain a little bit more <laughs> about what I do now. Awesome. Um, so, so I actually got... Um, I 
started studying spinal cord injury in, believe it or not, 1980. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's a long time so, ago. Yeah. So even mm. longer tip than you've been injured. Yeah. <laughs> involved in this, in this field. And so what I remember when I first started grad school, I was actually not doing spinal cord injury research at first. I was interested in the brain. Okay. The okay. Um, and then we got a new faculty member who was interested in spinal cord injury and into transplant. And so let me tell you where things were at right then. Yeah. And up until about 19, 1980, 1981, mm-hmm. people thought that the spinal cord neurons could not even grow <laughs> in, in people, in, in not even in animals, wow. um, except for in like frogs. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, wow. And so mm-hmm. that was really a huge discovery and it made people get excited about it. And yeah. what we were doing back in 1980 was transplants. So okay. we were taking pieces of embryonic tissue and putting them into adult rats. Wow. And just just the fact back then that the pieces of tissue survived mm-hmm. and they were still there six weeks later, that was like, that was brand new at the time. That was mind-blowing, um, I'm sure, for it, everybody. It, it was. So anyway, I did that and then I, I finished my degree and I was really scared to death of starting my own lab. And so I decided to go work in biotech and then I worked in industry for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But after working in industry mm-hmm. for a couple of years, I decided that that wasn't really doing anything good for humanity. And I wanted to go back and do spinal cord injury research again. Mm-hmm. So I went back in 1995. So that was still a long time ago. Yeah. And I went to mm-hmm. Ohio State University because they have some amazing right. spinal cord injury research okay. there. Right. And okay. so it's all about collaboration. And yeah. so I went there to work with those, those folks there. And um, I was there for 17 years. Wow. And so I started off working in somebody else's lab, and then I got my own lab, <laughs> and then I started writing grants and teaching and and kind of balancing the whole teaching and research and service. And mm-hmm. I was there for a long time. And I know um, you focused on the glial the glial cells, right? Yeah. And yeah, can, that was... Yeah. What, can you just tell us, I mean, for I kind of don't know a lot about that. What was that research all about? So, you know how I told you that back in the day, mm-hmm. it was only thought that, like, salamanders and fish could grow back their spinal cord. Yep. That rodents and, and mammals couldn't do it. Yep. So, I was interested in glial cells because it turns out that mammals, when they're really, really, really early in development, like a good example of animal is like an opossum. Okay. Because opossums are actually born prenatal. Right? Oh. And then they crawl into the pouch yeah. and they develop there. Mm-hmm. And so people doing research on opossums before they, you know, when they're still really little, they can even regenerate their spinal cord. That's crazy. And it mm-hmm. turns out mm-hmm. that one of the cells that's totally different in the in the baby opossums and in the salamanders is, is the glial cells. The okay. glial cells behave different in those animals than okay. they do in rodents oh, and cool. in, in mammals. Okay. So that's what I was interested in doing in my lab was trying to mess around with the glial cells in in adult mammals mm-hmm. to try and make them act more like those those embryonic or early glial cells. Glial cells are the cells that aren't the neurons. They're right. the support cells, okay. right? Okay. They're the ones that the neurons sit next to and and it turns out they're the ones that behave differently mm. in these other animals. And so I was trying to you know, use molecular biology and use other kind of growth factors and things to try and make 
the mammal cells, the mammal glial cells, act more like the other ones. Wow. All right. I get that. I totally just followed that. I'm pretty proud of myself. So yeah. You are amazing. I <laughs> know. Uh, I'm like, this is cool because this is like, oh, there's a lot of research going on in a lot of different areas. And so I'm like, this is cool. So when I, when you're talking about glial cells and, and trying to figure out how that cell works exactly. Is that also with, you know how people, the gene therapy is kind of the new thing now for spinal cord injury is, and I just saw a research about the, the lampreys, the sea lampreys are doing research. Yeah. Is that yeah. similar kind of to what your research was trying to figure out why cells do something they do kind of thing? That's a, yeah, exactly. That's another one of those animals that can regrow its spinal cord. And so figuring out like, what are the genes of the cells that yeah. allow it to do that? And then figuring out whether or not those genes could get turned on yeah. in mammals. It's crazy. Would, would really help that field. Yeah. It, it, is that is that really? Uh, do, do you feel like is there really strong potential um, in that area of gene training on genes? Is that really something they could do? You think? I think so. It sounds just um, like sci-fi. It does a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm. I think that if we give science a chance. <laughs> They're not there yet, though, right? We're not there yet. Okay. Well, it sounds like a really cool thing to turn on and turn off genes. I just, I'm like, I don't think they've quite figured that out yet, unless I'm, like, missing, and I didn't hear about that news or anything. But, um, okay, so that is so cool. So now you're working um, in terms of, like, the research that you're helping with what your job is. You're now in charge of dispersing grants, right, to other, other research. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Hey, Rob. <laughs> Rob. Rob would look. I'm right here. Hey, what's yeah. up? <laughs> I know. We're going to talk to you too soon. I know that you have a lot to say probably on all this as well. If you want to inter- say anything at any moment, you just go ahead and do it. No, this is really interesting. Okay. <laughs> so, so, mm-hmm. Rob, I came here about mm-hmm. five years ago. So mm-hmm. I was at Ohio State for 17 years. Yep. And I came here and I, I, I applied for the job for a number of reasons. So what had happened was the position here, and I'll tell you what I do in a few minutes, but the position here had opened up, and so there was nobody sitting here at, at NIH mm-hmm. um, to answer my questions about my grant. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of upsetting to me because I needed a lot of help. Okay. So that was, that, was, that was the opening. That was the opportunity. Okay. Um, the, the thing that really pushed me to do it was that I had reached a point where I was so frustrated with things that didn't work. Really, I can't can't really express how hard it is to do research. Um, experiments that you set up for months and months and do all this work to get the get all the resources you need to do the experiments, you get the people on board, you set up this whole experiment and it doesn't work. Or it works but it just isn't clear enough, a clear enough answer that you're ever going to be able to tell anybody about it because something, you know, it was only a tiny little effect right. or you know, the animals died or something like that. So it was yeah. incredibly frustrating. I was really overextended, um, and I was just tired of things not working. Plus, I felt like I was so focused on one little problem yeah. that when the opportunity to come and work at NAH opened up, I got really excited because then I could, like, step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was getting old. So I could step back a little bit and look at the whole and how it's Oh, can you get closer to your microphone a little bit again? Sure. Oh, thank you. Sorry about that. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I listen. I do the same thing sometimes. <laughs> no, it, 
so it's kind of like the difference between like I've, I've used this analogy between doing a puzzle as the piece of the puzzle versus mm -hmm. looking up from the top of the table down at the puzzle and kind of getting the feel for it so so I applied for the job and then mm -hmm. I got the job and then I took the job so I've been here for about five years so I came here as it's called a program officer yeah. at the NIH and we do really three things the first thing that we do is we um, try and we try and execute or implement the laws and the guidance that Congress gives us. So if Congress tells us okay. to do A, we have to figure out a way to do it. And it might be, you know, do, you know, fund safer research. It might be um, fund more young people. It mm -hmm. might be, it could be anything. Um, and we have to figure out how to do it. So Congress is, is one of our customers. <laughs> the, the second customer mm -hmm. really are the, the, investigators like I used to be, okay. the, the um, researchers in the laboratories. And mm -hmm. what I do is I help them figure out how to navigate this huge NIH process yep. and how to write the best grants they can and how to interpret what the reviewers really meant when they said something. Mm -hmm. And then also look at that, look at the whole portfolio of spinal cord injury and say, now where are the holes that maybe we can encourage people to do these other things. Ah, so that's my second, that's third, cool. second customers are, are really the PIs. And then the third customers are you guys. I mean, you're an important part of trying to, to communicate mm -hmm. between Congress and the PIs is the community and figure out, you know, what, what questions you have and try and communicate better what we're doing, which is kind of what we're doing today. That's awesome. Wow. That's crazy. So you, I, your job, I would, if I would, if I had your job, I'd wake up every day and just feel like I'm changing the world. And that is awesome. That is so cool. <laughs> um, so I, this is kind of a broad question, but how many, you work for the neurology uh, kind of arm of of this right of the yeah. NIA so how many neuro like do you know how many grants you've dispersed in, in total over the years to neurology type of uh programs or is that kind of hard to say yeah it's and that, that's a hard number to come by but okay. mm -hmm. you know in terms of just to give some perspective spinal mm -hmm. cord injury grant in 2018 Mm -hmm. NIH across the whole NIH gave 196 awards. Wow, that's a lot. So mm -hmm. over the years, now some of those are two-year awards, some of them are five-year awards, mm -hmm. um, but over the years you can imagine, you know, we've been in business for a long time dispersing taxpayer money for, for grants, and, and they're the whole range of grants everything you can imagine about spinal cord injury. That's awesome. Well, there's a lot, to, there's a lot, I think a lot of young students that are interested in research as well. I feel like, do you feel like that's also something we're seeing with students and graduate students? I don't know. I, there's a lot of tech like related ideas to coming from these really great young minds. Yeah, I think so. I, I think young people are always the best. Yeah. I just feel like, I don't know. I've noticed that I feel like a lot of People really believe, I think people and young students are like, yeah, they believe that a, a cure could happen. And maybe like 20, 30 years ago, there wasn't as many, like you, you were one of the rare ones, but there, I feel like there's just more excitement maybe in the, in the field with the colleges, maybe, I don't know, but are you seeing more grant requests? Um, I think 
that the number of grant requests have been pretty steady. It's pretty steady. All right. Well, so I guess the next question I have, well, hey, Rob, we're going to talk to you now finally. Sorry about keeping you quiet over there. But, you know, I know you've been an advocate since you've been injured pretty much right away. And I think for people that are listening that want to be involved, um, I think it would be really cool if you could just maybe talk about how you decided to become an advocate. And, you know, I know that obviously you care about the topic and you wanted to do what you could, but it's how do you go from that to like actually getting in, you know, involved in the process? Yeah. So, you know, before my injury, I was really an active person. And um, I think that's what drives me today. Mm -hmm. And um, when I broke my neck, I was laying there in the hospital bed Mm -hmm. in 2011. just thinking to myself, like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get better. Yeah. And that, you know, includes, you know, adaptive fitness. Getting, and as soon as I was able to get on a computer, I started looking up the research and mm-hmm. um, really taking a deep dive and spent probably a solid eight months of doing that. Yeah. And, um, you know, through the Minnesota network and yep. uh, through Matthew Roderick, who mm-hmm. working with United to Fight Paralysis at the time. Okay. We, um, yep. we, you know, he told me about some work he had done the year before, just going and meeting with the senator and yeah. state senator, talking about research. And so mm-hmm. we went there, and a couple of years later, he got a state grant program passed. And yeah, I know, right? That was really cool. Showed up at the Capitol and mm-hmm. started talking about it it was that easy did you were you one of the founders behind gusu yeah and so in 2014 mm-hmm. we added a group of about 15 people in the spalford injury community and pretty activated on the research at that point that's few years and, and you guys are all about do you raise money too through fundraisers and then you give the money to research or are you more about just like bring getting the word out I, i'm not quite sure yeah but we do we do. We're funding two research projects right now: the East Stand Trial and uh, right. project down at the Mayo Clinic that's looking at um, different um, pharmaceuticals that are on the market already that could have some intervention. Oh, really? Okay. Where, where's that through? Uh, it's through the Mayo Clinic okay. and Isabel Scarsburg, and so or Scarsburg, and mm-hmm. they're. So, you know, research costs a lot of money. So yeah. our Goosey fundraising activities, Goosey is primarily an advocacy organization, but mm-hmm. we do do fundraising and we don't do enough to really sponsor our own projects. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided to do supplemental funding to the state grant program. Oh, and you guys do fundraising through, um, I know you did a really cool um, Giving Thursday thing last November, and what, do you guys have any cool, good fundraisers coming up this uh, summer at all that you want to talk about? Um, we don't have anything planned for the summer, but next fall, September 5th, 13th, will mm-hmm. be our next annual gala. Okay, so. well, we'll make sure to share the link. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit about epidural stimulation from, from with both of you, because everyone keeps talking about it, and, you know, this, the whole world of spinal cord injuries, and I know... You know, a lot of people want are desperate to get better, and there are definitely some stories you hear on the news of people traveling, you know, overseas to to try some of this stuff. And 
I just want to hear what you guys think about this because I know that I think some people are probably hoping for something that may not actually happen. And I think it'd be good to talk about this too. So. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with maybe that story about Ryan Strudinsky. He was one of the, he was in the news and I think some people hear that story and they're excited. He was one of those hockey players in Canada and he went to, he went to Thailand not too long ago. And I think, you know, people see these stories and they go, should I go overseas and do it? And I think, what, sh- what, what, what are the things someone should look for if they're going to go over or should they not even consider it at this point as someone that knows about the world of research? <laughs> well, I can, I can try and talk a little bit about it. Yeah. I mean, one, of the, one of the challenges is that epidural stimulation, I think it really is something brand new and different. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that I, I, I don't think that it's not real mm-hmm. that, that the effects that people are reporting I think definitely are real. Yeah. But there's a lot that we don't know both from the safety standpoint mm-hmm. and the function standpoint. Okay. So from a safety standpoint in the U.S., we have the FDA, and they do oversee any kind of intervention mm-hmm. or treatment that um, might have some kind of risk to it. Yeah. Um, and so if the FDA has approved a protocol, mm-hmm. then we know that they've gone through everything they know, and they have all the files on everything. Yep. And they know that that the risk is manageable right. um, for that particular problem. So the FDA has done that for epidural stimulation for small studies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, most of them are, are contained with, you know, and they're watching each and every individual who gets implanted. Yep. Okay. And as soon as there's a problem, they'll put a halt on all the studies in the U.S. and try and figure out the problem, and then they'll open it up again and let people move forward. Yeah. So there isn't that safety part of it. The other thing that worries me a little bit, maybe yeah. because I have a scientific background, mm-hmm. is the is the functional effect of okay. the stimulation. And yeah. I think that that where the electrical stimulation has really made a difference in people's lives is when they've had sufficient um, functional guidance and rehabilitation and scientists and therapists working with them mm-hmm. with the stimulation. Yeah. And so the worry with people going abroad is even if this was 100,000% safe and they went abroad and got it implanted, yeah. unless they're going to stay there and get treated by the person who implanted them, they may have this thing in them that, that could be very, very helpful, but the person who implanted it doesn't know how to make that happen. Wow, that's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, you know, so both from the safety and the function part of it, I would I would say, you know, be smart, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, you know, there are a lot of epidural stimulation trials happening right here in the United States that are safe and cleared by the FDA if, if people really want to take part in them, right? Yeah, and I think that yeah, and not a lot, not a lot. There's so not we're a lot. still talking about there's a, there's a couple. Numbers, yeah, there's only a right? couple. There, yeah, there's only a couple that I saw. I know there's a couple, like one happening at the University of Minnesota or out here in Minnesota. There's a couple, um, and then there's not a ton though, right? But I feel yeah. like there's the clinical trials that website. I do refer people that are injured, and they ask me. Like, where can I go? Yeah. And I'll say, well, check out that website at least. Maybe there's something there that you could sign up for. Maybe not. Yeah. 
So and the, and there's kind of a, let me talk about the two different strategies of the clinical trials too because okay. I think that's important for oh, people yeah. to know. So one strategy the the implantation of epidural stimulators has been in place and has been happening for believe it or not ten years now. Oh yeah, right. Yep. And and one of the strategies is to go slowly one one individual at a time mm-hmm. and see everything that we can get out of this. Yeah. Um, and so really invest a lot in each individual and maybe only one or two or three and maybe now up to four and five and six mm-hmm. and really pushing for function. Yeah. And then the other approach is really what what is going on in um, David Darrow's group. Yeah. Which right. is just to safely put in the implants and see what the patients can do on their own okay. without the extensive rehab. So that's kind of a, a low, you know, low oversight. Yeah. What can we get there? Yeah. As opposed to how far can we go? They're kind of two different approaches. Okay. And I think we have to get information from both of those approaches. Okay. And if you think one is better than the other as a researcher or they both have their own purpose? I, in my opinion, I think they both have their own purpose. I, I, you know, I worry about people having hope for great amount of tremendous increase in function and going to the big study where that isn't really the goal of the study. Right. Um, so that's that's a little bit worrisome. Is making sure that the messaging is right. That if you're if you're enrolled in the study where you'll get a a stimulator implanted and then you'll go home and you'll have, you know, an app that you'll use to try and make right. stuff happen. Yep. Um, that you're not, maybe not going to get the same level of function as the four people at another site where they're spending, mm-hmm. you know, three hours, yeah. four days a week with supervision. They're yeah. going to get different levels of function, I think. Yeah. You know, and I think everyone I've talked to out of the four people I've met now with this that have received this. Okay. Yeah. They all say it's worth it. You know, oh, really the ability you know, from just gaining a little bit of core stability or improving your blood pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, the ability you know, they say, well, driving around in the car is a lot easier now or I can lean forward give hugs. And that's Wow. Wow. But that's kind of the you know, benefits that they're seeing out of the David Jaroff study versus, yeah. you know, now they're reporting people walking at Mayo Clinic and Susie Bergman's trial. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's so, it's interesting, you know, I had someone that's been injured for so long, I hear about these exciting results from it, and it almost sounds too good to be true, you know? Like, I can't even believe it's working, and it really is, it's, Rob, do you, like, do you, this is really real results, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's like, I mean, how in the world, this is just coming from a non-scientific person here, this might sound crazy, but how did they not realize that electricity was, this, was, was, was something so powerful, or did they always kind of know this, like, even before 10 years ago? You know what I mean? It's just like, zap the spinal cord, is that basically it? It's kind of like... Doesn't it seem kind of funny that that was that's something that has always been there, and maybe they didn't you know? know. I, I think a lot of these these there's been trials here and there yeah. that were doing this years ago. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But when they discovered Rob Summers 
you know, I'd published in mm-hmm. 2011. Mm-hmm. That was that that discovery was made completely by mistake. They were trying to do something different. Oh, yeah. You know, he's he thought it would be funny to like try to wiggle his toes. Really. And then he actually was. And, See. Yeah. And everyone. What? Yeah. Interesting. So. Well, you know, would you would you would you want to get it done yourself, Rob? If you had a safe opportunity to do so, I think at some point, um, you know, I'm cervical level injury, so arm mm-hmm. you know, hand and arm function is huge. Primary and point for me right now. Yeah. First level goal. I know. I uh, I think you've didn't you you were in the in the um the the, the uh, gate training weren't you at the Courage Center? Yeah. And did you see some good results from that? Yeah, I still do. Oh, um, oh, cool. Can you tell people just a little bit about it and what kind of mobility or you've gotten yeah. some return? Doing the body weight supported treadmill locomotion training, mm-hmm. um, I you know immediately saw improvements in blood pressure. That's crazy. Um, was able to drop a lot of my medications mm-hmm. um, from that. You know, I'm still seeing strength improvements and a lot of strength in my core. Yeah. Um, and my arm and hand function, my right arm. Yeah. Improved. I know. Emulation too. I was going to tell you, I yeah. noticed your arm has gotten better since when I saw you when I first met you years ago. Like, I can yeah. tell. I've noticed yeah. it. It's really cool. Oh, I to use my joystick. And, Heck yeah. Um, Going to therapy to feed myself and use computer. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. So I know we're almost done with the we're we're getting close to the time here for the show, but I just wanted to ask if either of you wanted to you know add anything else that we didn't touch on yet because there's a lot of lots to uh, kind of absorb here. I don't know. Do you have any questions, Rob? Mm-hmm. No, I think it's uh. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm developing field um mm-hmm. and we just had the sci 2020 decade and disruption conference at the national institutes of health oh yeah yeah and you know you guys are going to both be in ohio this fall for the working to walk conference right or will only are you either of you going to go to that well, one I actually have a wedding. You're not going to be there? Okay. Well, I just know that you guys have been to it in the past, and it's also a good good opportunity for if someone is in Ohio and they want to go to it. I was just going to mention it. If people are listening, I think it's a great place to – a great opportunity to kind of listen in on the research, too, and get involved in advocacy work as well. So – it's a great place, and it's a great conference. It's a great conference, yeah. absolutely. That's a really good conference. Oh, man. So, yeah. well, I'm excited about the state of research, you guys. And I and I honestly, I don't know if, if I'm going to walk again in my lifetime, but I think I would love just to, like, be able to move my hands a little bit more. That's all I'm asking for before I pass away. That's honestly the real truth of it. So I know that sounds kind of well, funny. You never know. And I would love to see Rob. I would love to see Rob become, like, a C6 quadriplegic at some point. Like, that would be great. I know it sounds funny, you guys. I just, I'm excited about what's happening, and I just hope that, you know, maybe we can talk again in the next year or something. And I don't know. I'm just excited about the future. So let's hope that things keep rolling along. And um, thanks again for sharing your insight, you guys. It's been really great. Great. Thank you. All right. Thank Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Bye.